This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Our hearts changes from the inside out. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, welcome. So glad that you came. Happy New Year. For those of you that I haven't seen, I have really burned the Happy New Year joke out where I tell everybody this is the first time that I've seen you all year, and um, it's not funny anymore. I've been told that by a lot of people, so I'm retiring that joke as of this moment. So um, I'm saving it for next year, though. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, we're going to wrap up our series this morning on definitions, and we've been talking about that, uh, how we need to submit our ideas and our definitions for what God says, because He knows better than you and me, Right? God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So in other words, we're saying, God, even though I may think I'm really smart in this area, or even though I may have experienced this and I've come to believe this, I'm going to submit that. And I'm always going to be willing to give up what I've come to believe through my experiences and through what others have told me. I'm going to be willing to give that up for what you say is truth because God is definitive. He's absolute. Amen. God is an absolute God. He's absolute truth. His word is truth. And we see his heart for us in the scripture. So with that being said, if you have your Bible, go to the book of James in the first chapter this morning, James chapter one, and we're going to see the heart of God for us today on the subject of evaluation. Because a lot of us evaluate around this time of year because we're making New Year's resolutions, thinking about the past year, thinking about Hey, you know, how long are we actually going to keep it this time? And uh, we're thinking about all of those things and, and, and trying to make good decisions moving forward for our families, for us individually, maybe for our careers, maybe for our walk with the Lord, maybe things we want to do for Him this year. And, and we always want to be better and we want to improve. And so we think about those things and we're evaluating those things. But you know, I think that it's more important for us to say, okay, God, what do you mean when it comes to evaluation? What do you think when it comes to evaluation? What do you want us to do when it comes to evaluation? Let's look at what Webster says about that word evaluation before we read James. It says this, to judge the value or condition of someone or something in a careful and thoughtful way. And that's what it means to evaluate, to judge the value or condition of someone or something in a careful and thoughtful way. The book of James says this in James 1 and verse 21 says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, and then he goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We see here how James was basically saying, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. James was actually the original writer of that song. <laughs> Woo! And so he said, I'm going to start with this guy. I'm going to look in the mirror, but I'm going to look in the mirror, and I'm not going to forget what I look like after I look. Because a lot of us, when we look in the mirror of evaluation of ourselves, 
we might not like what we see, or we may not get to the place where we're honest enough with ourselves to actually look long enough to evaluate where we're at in life. We like to play the blame game. We like to blame everybody else for why things aren't going well. And you know, if I didn't have this person or that person, if I didn't have this baggage or that baggage, then, or if I would have made a better decision earlier, or if I would have done this differently, then things would be better. And so we're always living in the past. We're always living in regrets. And we always emphasize the negative things when it comes to evaluation. That's just human nature that's drawn towards those negative things and isn't drawn towards positive change or positive correction. Because we think that when we evaluate that it's going to somehow bring us in bondage because whatever it is that I need to change, the reason I'm not doing it now is because it's not fun. Or the reason that I'm not doing it now is because my life isn't going to be very good if I do that. It's actually going to stink because I don't want to do that. Take weight loss, for example. This, you know, when, when, when I first came here, I weighed almost 300 pounds. And, and, and since I've been here, I, I've made the decision to change my life. And I've lost 70 pounds of uh, fat mass. And I gained 30 pounds of muscle. And, and, and I began to change my life and eat differently and work out. And let me tell you, the benefits are great. But the way to get there, it wasn't very fun. Okay? And I still have to continue to do those things and make those decisions. But we look at those things like eating healthy or we look at those things like working out as a form of bondage. And so we want to stay away from doing the right things we know we need to do because we go, oh, that's bondage. That's not freedom. That's not going to bring freedom because we're looking at the immediate thing and we want things to instantly change. And we're, we don't value the process to get there. And so we want what other people have and what other people have had to work for to get there. But we don't want to do the work it's going to take to get there. We just want what they have. I want somebody to give me that money. I want someone to give me that position. We live in an entitlement, credit card mentality society that wants everything now, and I'll pay for it later. And that's how we approach life. That's how we approach God. God, I want you to do all this stuff for me. I want you to give me everything. I want to have all these things. And we get into trouble because we think we are owed these things, or we think we have to have these things now instead of learning to submit to process and doing the right things for a long period of time to lead us on the journey to help us be successful, to lead us on the journey. You hear that word journey? to be successful, the journey to grow in a successful, healthy marriage, the journey to raise healthy, successful children, the journey to become financially prosperous and sound, the journey to learn what it means to walk with God and to serve Him and to follow Him. It's a journey, folks. It's not about us being perfect or about us being in bondage, but we look at the journey as bondage and we're not willing to make those decisions that may not be the funnest decisions to make at the time, but they're right and they're actually going to benefit us later on down the road. Amen, somebody? You see, it's, it's not fun to push away the plate of cookies for the broccoli. It's not fun to do those things, to make those decisions. And it seems like broccoli is bondage. Your children may actually say that. Actually, I may be giving your children fuel for when you make broccoli, they're going to say, Mom, this is bondage. They may think broccoli is bondage, but it's not bondage. It's actually something that's going to benefit you later on down the road. It's going to give you a longer, healthier life because you're making healthier decisions. You're actually positioning yourself in a big picture type mentality that's going to benefit you for years to come. But the path to get there is not always easy and it doesn't always look like opportunity, does it? It doesn't always look like fun. It looks like it's a challenge. So we'll stay away from those things because we don't want to honestly evaluate those things because we think that they bring bondage. But what did James say? James said, when we look into the perfect law of liberty, when we think about those two words together, it almost seems like an oxymoron. 
the perfect law, which brings bondage, but the law of liberty? The law of liberty? Yes, this is the law of liberty. It's actually God wanting better for you and wanting better for me than I want for myself. Because whatever your best is in your mind, whatever that picture is, whatever that looks like, maybe it's that new career, maybe it's that new car, maybe it's that new uh, position, maybe it's living in a certain neighborhood, and you think, I've made it when I have accomplished that. And so you chase after those things, but, 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 but the thing is, is, is that God is saying, no, you know what, you, I know you think that's what it's going to take to make you complete and whole and happy, but I know better than you because I'm God. I have a greater purpose for you, and if you'll submit to my ideas and my ways and my thoughts, even though it may feel like it's something that I don't want to really do right now, it doesn't sound very fun at the moment, it's actually for my benefit if I will learn to trust him. Amen? We want God to bail us out all the time, but we never want to submit to the process and learn to trust him in the process. And God wants us to trust him in the good times and the bad times. Amen, somebody? See, evaluation is difficult, but it's actually liberating when it's done by and directed by the Holy Spirit and God's word. And, and, and it's not that God is looking for us to be perfect a lot of us are trying so hard to be perfect, and we're trying to be these Pinterest perfect people. You know what I'm talking about, where you get on Pinterest and you're like, oh, look, a hundred new ways to make my house spotless. Pin. Look, I can make this fancy cake. Oh, wow. Pin the perfect wedding, the perfect birthday party for your children. Pin. Oh, wow, this is beautiful. And we have all these ideas of perfection, and we think that's what God wants, and we think that if we don't produce it, God is mad at us, and he hates our guts. Listen to me, folks. Whether you decide to submit to God or not, whether you walk in that degree of freedom that he has for you or not, he is still going to love you right where you're at. Because God's love is not conditional. Amen? Not conditional. He's going to love you right in your mess. He's going to say, I've got a lot better for you than what you're doing right now, what you're living in right now, but I still love you, and I still want what's best for you, and I still want better for you. My heart is still to bless you, to take care of you, to make you understand my love, but God isn't going to force it on you. We have to learn to trust Him and submit to Him. And He's saying, I'm not looking for you to be perfect. I'm just looking for you to trust me, but I'm still going to love you. I'm always going to love you because he's not looking for Pinterest perfection. You know what I'm talking about on Pinterest? Don't that drive you crazy? When you see something like, I've got some pictures I want to show you. Like you see that here at this picture, the top things are the things that are on Pinterest. Oh, isn't that cute? And the bottom things are people trying to do what they saw on Pinterest. It's like, oh, look at this beautiful photograph. Oh, look at this beautiful cake. Boom. And that's more like how our lives go a lot of times. We look at someone else and we go, oh, wow, look at this Pinterest perfect life. And then we try to get all of our kids, and that's what it ends up being. Or we try to make that cake, and it didn't quite turn out the way that Esau's cake turned out. But we think that God wants that. We think that God's looking for that on the top, and so we try to make that happen. And we go, oh, if I could just be perfect, and I'm going to try so hard to be perfect and we put ourselves in this place of, of bondage feeling like we're never good enough but God loves you right where you're at he isn't looking for that Pinterest perfection but he doesn't want us 
to stop growing. He doesn't want us to stop evaluating our lives and where we're at. Because here's the thing, evaluation isn't always fun or easy, but it is liberating. Freedom comes when we take a look at things in our lives that need to be, that need to be corrected that we can correct. I'm talking about things that are within the realm of your control, okay? Because there's things that are within the realm of your control that you can fix, that you can correct. Uh, my wife and I, um, you know, last year when we took the kids to school, we were always rushing out of the house. Every day, get your coat, get your snowsuit, get your boots, get your gloves, get your backpack, get your folder, get your agenda, get, ah, get your library books. Ah. And, and, and we were freaking out about getting out of the house and we'd rush the kids in the car. And we'd rush to school and then slam on the brakes. Go, 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 go. And we'd get the And those kids, they were just rushing, running out of the house. They were running out of the car everywhere we went. It was just stressful, and we were stressed out, and we were freaking out. And I had this car, okay, last school year. I had this car. It's a silver Saab, and this guy might go to this church. I don't know, but I raced him every day, and he didn't know it. He didn't know that I was racing him because he was always late to the school, and if I passed him on the way back to the office or back home after dropping the kids off, I was like, yes, sucker, I beat you today. <laughs> But if I was on the way to school and I would pass him, I would go, oh, no, I'm really late because the sob has passed me up. And I've seen this guy in town before, and I've almost confronted him and told him I've been racing him, but I just can't do it. But I've been racing this guy. I raced him all uh, of, my, of my kid's school year last year, and it was just kind of this big joke. I'd be like, and, and my kids knew it, too. They're like, Daddy, did we beat the silver car? You know? <laughs> And, 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 and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I said, we're, we're, we're stressing our kids out. We're starting their day off bad. We're starting our day off bad. And you know what? This is within the realm of my control. I can fix this. And you want to know how I fixed it? Set the alarm clock 15 minutes earlier. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little slow, but I get there eventually. And I'm like, you know what? This, and, and so when we started this school year out um, back in September, we said, we're, we're, we're not going to do that to our children. We're not going to rush them. Because what we were seeing is that everywhere we went, our kids were always in a hurry. They always felt like they had to go, 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 go. And we had created that because that's what we had modeled in front of them. That's what we had shown them. And I was like, man, we got to stop doing this. And I want my kids to have a peaceful day at school, to have a happy day. You know, a, a, a lot of times everybody's yelling, get your coat, get your, get your this, get your that. And then you show up and you go, oh, hi, welcome to Word of Grace. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, and, and, and there was chaos getting there, you know. And, 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 and if we just make simple tweaks in our lives within the realm of things that we control, things that we can actually do something about, we will be doing ourselves and those in our lives, our children, our spouses, we'll be doing them a favor and we'll be helping them because we're modeling for them a, a new level of peace by something that simple. What I did was I wrote down a list about three or four weeks ago, I wrote this list down, of things that stress me out. Okay, I, I just made a list. Oh, this really stresses me out. This really stresses me out. This really stresses me out. And on that list of things that I wrote, what I found was... I could instantly change almost 50% of those things on my list. I could do it. I, I could, you know what? If I would do this, then that would eliminate that immediately. Not like six months from now or a year from now. Immediately. If I would stop doing this and start doing this, man, that would change that immediately. I could cut my stress in half if I would just make 
decisions differently. And so we sat down with my wife, and, 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 and I talked to her, and, and we began to work on a plan of what we were going to do differently. And we eliminated so much stress just by coming up with a plan. What is that? It's evaluating in the arena of things that I can control. That's looking in the mirror, being honest, going, you know what? I've been blowing it in this area. I need to manage this area better. I need to manage my time better. I need to manage my finances better. I need to manage my relationships better. I need to spend more time with my spouse. I need to spend more time with my children. And then make a point to do those things and fit that into your lifestyle. Because you know what? It may not be easy to do at first because you've gotten into this rut and this habit of doing things a certain way. And it's created chaos. And that's what a lot of us spend the majority of our time doing is just going from one chaotic thing to the next. Oh, no, the bills are due. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, they're past due. Blah, blah. And we freak out about all of these things, and we don't know what to do. And when we fix that, then something else. It's like, oh, a leaky pipe. Ah! And then it's like, oh, no, you know, the in-laws are coming over. Ah! You know, as you just go from one, one chaotic thing to the next, and you never get ahead, you're always playing catch-up. That will wear you out, folks. It will wear you out trying to play catch-up with the chaotic things in your life and just going from one thing to the next. Some people spend their entire lives doing that, and they get bitter and they get angry at life. They get bitter and they get angry at God. You see, I need to ask myself, what things can I control or change right now? What are the, what are the things that are in the realm of my control that I can change right now? What is within the scope of your ability? Let me ask it kind of in a more challenging way. This is, a, this is hard, but let me ask it to you in this way. What are things that we're simply not taking responsibility for? What are things in our life that we're just not taking responsibility for? We're not being good stewards of. Maybe we're not being good stewards of our finances. We're not living within our means. Maybe we're making foolish decisions and we're not keeping up with things. Maybe that's why there's chaos there. That's fully within the realm of my control. Not everything in life is in the realm of your control. There are things that are, because like I said, about 50% of the things that I identified as stress factors in my life I could do something about. There was another portion of them that I couldn't do anything about because it was contingent upon other people's reactions, what other people may do. I can't control people, right? I, I mean, you're going to play a frustrating game if you try to control people, you know. I, I, I mean, I, I can't control how, what other people may say or do, and so I, sometimes some of those stresses that come at different seasons in my life, I can't do anything about. So I have to do what with those? I have to trust God with those. And I have to trust him and ask him to help me grow in my mental or emotional maturity to begin to deal with those things properly. And I have to ask him to do what I can't do, okay? So there are things in your life that you can do something about, and we need to do things, something about that. Ask God, what are those things in my life that I can control, that I can do? What are those things that I'm struggling with that I, that I can't control? What are those things that I need help with? What are those things that maybe I need someone to come alongside me and, and, and help me to, to begin to evaluate and, and, and to correct? So in other words, here's the deal. We need to stop making excuses. Amen? Amen? Because you can lose weight and get healthy. You can develop better habits. You can get to places on time. You can manage your finances better. Amen? Too many people are focused on what they cannot do instead of what they can do. Because we're immediately, we auto-drift to the negative things. And we think of what we can't do. We automatically look at our limitations. Oh, well, you know, this is what's going on in my life, and this is why I can't do this. This is why I'm struggling with this. And all we look at is what we're limited and what we can't do. Oh, if I only had a better job. Oh, if I only had 
different children. If I only had, you know, I, I mean, some people, they, they, they always look at what is and, and they never ask the question, what if? They never ask the question. Now, do you need to be a realist? Absolutely you do. You need to understand what is. In other words, what is your current reality? You need to be aware of that, okay? Because when God came to Moses, when he called him to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian slavery, he looked at Moses and he said, Moses, what is in your hand? Moses said, it's a stick. It's a rod. He said, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground. And what happened to it? It turned into a snake. He goes, whoa, that is crazy. God said, you ain't got no idea what I can do. And that's the thing. We have no idea what God can do what we have with, with what we have in our hand. Amen? He can do miracles. He can do crazy things with what we have if we'll begin to trust him with those things. And we'll say, okay, God, I don't have a lot, but this is what I do have. And I'm going to have to trust you to do with what I have, what I can't do, but I'm going to do with what I have the best to my ability as I evaluate and correct. As I look at my budget and I go, okay, maybe I need to sit down and I need to evaluate things or maybe create a budget. Maybe you don't even have one. You sit down and you go, okay, this year we're going to do better with our finances and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to sit down and we're going to plan out a budget. We're going to live within our means this year. We're going to pay uh, off some debt this year. We're going to, whatever your, your goals are, whatever your plans are, whatever you want to do. And you put together a strategy to do it and you stick to it because it's the right thing. Is it always fun? No, especially when something's on sale that you think you want. It's not fun all the time, but if we will focus on that thing that's actually going to help us, it's going to bring us freedom and liberty later on down the road. It's that perfect law of liberty. You understand what I'm saying this morning? So stop just looking at what is. And start asking what if. How do I learn to live within my means? How do I learn how to begin to uh, parent uh, my children in a way that they're going to grow up and feel loved and secure and successful? How, how do I do that? And begin to, be, begin to ask God to lead you in steps to begin to do that. Because what we do is we look at other people and what they have. And we go, oh, I wish I could have what they have. Oh, I wish I could be like them. I wish I could have the type of marriage they have. Well, what you don't know is that they've been through some things. Okay? And they probably still go through some things. Even though they figured some things out that maybe you and I could definitely learn from them, we're not going to go from A to Z just because we read a book. Hello, somebody. Or because we swallowed a pill that said you will lose 100 pounds if you take this pill. <laughs> or for three easy payments of 1995, we will fix your life. <laughs> not how it works. That's not how it works, folks. That's not how it works. Because behind every successful parent that has parented children that love God, that respect them, that are good, productive people, I guarantee you there's been some mistakes made along the way. Behind every successful marriage, you just see people that just look all googly-eyed. They can't keep their faces off each other. Man, I wish we had a marriage like that. And you'll try to get that kind of marriage by telling your, your spouse that you need to be more like him. You need to be more like her. That's not going to get you there. That's just going to hack them off. It's not going to get them there. That's not going to help. What is going to help is you start making small decisions now. And you start taking a step with where you are right now. Instead of just wanting to pop it in the microwave. That's what we like. We like to pop things in the microwave because we want it now. We want to drive through the drive through window and not have to wait. Right? Because we don't like that. But 
we ignore process and we ignore growth. And we never ask what if because we're always just wishing things change and we think if I could get out of this scenario that that would just fix everything and make it all better. You know what? The odds are is that even if you removed yourself from that situation, the odds are that a lot of times we'll recreate the same thing if we haven't looked at ourselves in the mirror. We'll recreate those things if we don't learn to grow where we're planted, grow right here where we're at. So yeah, we need to be aware of what is, absolutely. And we need to ask God how to use what we have and what is currently my reality. But I always need to ask what if. What if, God? What if we were able to do this? What if we were able to step out and to, and, 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 and to chase after this? What if, what if we made these decisions to start getting to places earlier? What if we were healthier financially? What if our marriage could grow and blossom into something that I've always dreamed in my heart for it to be? What if? And then begin to go, okay, God, how do I get there? How do I get there? Show me the steps I need to take. Because Psalm 37 and 23 says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The steps. Somebody say steps. steps. Say it again. Steps. 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 Journey. Process. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Not, oh, Lord, Hail Mary got a new Cadillac. Thank you, Jesus. And then, boom, wow, that worked. That's not how it works, folks. Amen? That's not how it works. We can't just ask God to just bail us out all the time and, cre and, and, and fix this chaos we've created or this chaos that may have fallen on us that had nothing to do with us. We can't just go, God, bail me out, bail me out. God's saying, what do you have in your hand? Because God blesses stewardship. Amen? We talked about finances last week, and we talked about how God does bless when we give, but he blesses when we are good stewards. Amen? When we steward what has been given to us. Remember the parable of the man with the talents? He said, you've been faithful over a few things, and now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Why? Because you have increased your capacity of your responsibility that you had, and you're actually growing in success because God blesses good stewardship. You see, when we ask what if, instead of just focusing on what is, we open ourselves up to new opportunities. The problem with opportunities is that they never look like opportunities. They always look like obstacles. They never look like opportunities. They look like obstacles most of the time. But James said that we will be blessed when we take an honest look into the perfect law that's going to bring liberty. In other words, what we're saying is that these things that bring liberty are not often easy. And they're not always often apparent as the easy thing but they are worth the fight. Amen? In the book of Joshua, in the 14th chapter, the story of a guy by the name of Caleb. Caleb was one of the 12 spies. Caleb and Joshua were two of the 12 spies that were sent to spy out the promised land that God had promised to the nation of Israel. He had said, this is, this is a land that is yours, but it's inhabited by people that don't like you. You're going to have to run them out. And so when they went to spy it out before they went to go to battle and to try to take the land... All the spies came back, and two of them gave a good report. That was Joshua and Caleb. The other ten gave a negative report. And so this is a story of kind of how Caleb ended up in life after all of this stuff was coming to a head. 
Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 said, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while in Israel, wandered uh, in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day of how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, as the Lord has said. How cool is that? Here's an 85-year-old man that said, that's the mountain that was promised to me. I know that the sons of Anakim are there, which are the giants in the land. And he said, I'm 85. Give me my sword and a Geritol six-pack, and let's go take these jokers. <laughs> I mean, the tenacity of an 85-year-old man, no excuses. Well, you know, I thought that God was going to give me that land. I thought that that was mine, but you know, I guess I'm just too old now. Or we may say things like, you know, I wish I would have heard these types of things, Pastor, back when I was younger, when my kids were little. But, you know, it's too late for me now. I wish I would have known these things when I was younger and I could have made a difference about my finances or my marriage. But, you know, it's, it's too late for me now, Pastor. I, I sure wish I would have known. No, 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 no. It's not too late for you. I don't care if you're 90 years old and you have children that are grandparents. There's still hope for you to reconcile that relationship. Amen? I don't care how badly you have gotten into financial trouble. There's always hope for you to begin to make course correction and evaluate and get out of that hole that you may have gotten into. Amen, somebody? Stop asking what is and start asking what if and have the spirit of Caleb, have the tenacity of Caleb that will say, things may be stacked against me because I'm old, but give me my sword. Let's go. Let's go to battle because I know that God told me this was mine. I know that God promised this to me and I know that God is not a liar. And so I'm well able to do this even at 85. I'm well able to go and to do something about it and not just sit down, feel sorry for myself and wait for God to magically fix all of my problems. Not just sit back and go, well, I guess if God wants me to have that mountain, he'll give it to me. No, he said, I'm going to go take it. Even though I'm 85, I'm going to go take it. Because I'm going to do what's within the scope of my ability and I have to trust God for the rest. What did Caleb say? He said, it may be that the Lord is with me that day. In other words, I'm not going to be able to do this without God. Because I'm an old joker with a sword. <laughs> I may not be able to do this on my own, but he told me that I could do this. So I'm going to trust him and I'm going to go do it. Amen? The tenacity, the, the, the fight that was in this 85-year-old guy that said, I'm willing to go fight giants in order to receive what it is that I know God wants for me. Are we willing to fight for what we know is God's best in our lives? Or do we just want to sit down and go, well, I guess if God wants me to have a happy marriage, he'll just make fairy dust fall on my wife and she'll get all googly-eyed for me and 
I guess that's how it'll work one day. If God wants me to have anything in life, and I guess that he'll just, you know, let me win the lottery. Every time I buy my lottery tickets, I go, oh, Lord. We anoint him with oil, and we just pray, Jesus, let these numbers be the numbers that you just direct us to pick. Is that how God works? No. That's not how he works. That's how we want him to work. Because we think that's what we need. And God's saying, no, that's not what you need. What you need to do is do what you know is right with what you have now. What, how's your relationship right now? Are you utilizing your time to be able to grow in those relationships to the best of your ability now? Are you educating yourself on some different things on how you can learn to become a better financial steward or how you can become a, a more productive spouse or, or, or a better parent? Are, are, are you asking other people things? Are you looking to God and His Holy Spirit? Are you looking in His Word? Are you evaluating and trying to correct? Or are you evaluating and then turning away and forgetting what you look like? Are you looking in the mirror and going, oh man, things are messed up. Let's go get drunk and forget about that. And let's forget about it because I don't want to have to deal with that. Well, if you never deal with it, then it's just going to keep piling up and piling up and piling up. And it's going to create chaos. And you're going to be playing catch up for the rest of your life. And you're never going to get ahead. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to respond to things that come our way. I'm not telling you to ignore those things that may be chaotic, that may be screaming. You've got to respond to some things. But if you never take time to be proactive and to move ahead, you're always going to be stuck in the responding game. God doesn't want us just to respond. He wants us to move ahead. Too many people evaluate only the things that they need to respond to immediately and they never evaluate what is going to move them ahead in life. What is going to move them ahead in their walk with God, in their relationships. They never ask themselves, what, where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in ten years? What, 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 do I do? What, what type of grandparent do I want to be? What, what, what do I want to evaluate in my life that may not be there right now, but what am I doing now that's going to help me in the future? What am I investing in? What am I doing to move ahead? What am I evaluating and correcting that's going to help me to focus and grow from where I'm at right now with what I have now? Yeah, we need to respond to things that may come up and we need to respond to the crisis and the issues that we may be facing right now. But if that's all we ever do, we will never move ahead. We'll never move ahead, folks. So we need to respond and move forward. Here's the thing. God doesn't desire for us to simply respond to things all day because he made us leaders, creators, innovators, and he wants us to move things ahead. But that only comes when we're willing to evaluate and correct. Amen? And that only happens when we're honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest. And we've got to go, you know what? I need to grow in this area. I want to focus on this. And, and I, wanna, I, I can control that. I can make that decision to get places a little earlier. And, 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 and so that will cut down on some stress in my life. And when you cut down on stress, you're going to have more peace. You're going to have more joy. You're going to be able to think clearly just by making course corrections and evaluating by looking in the mirror and being honest and not forgetting what you look like, but being a hearer of the word and a doer. Amen, somebody? So what I want to do is I want to give you four things this morning. I want to give you four things that are going to help us move ahead with God in 2014 and for the, all the years to come. The first thing is this. Pray, listen, stop talking, listen, and repeat. A few weeks back, I went to um, an abbey in De Pere, St. Norbert's Abbey in De Pere, um, 
and uh, went with a friend of mine here from church, and we did a silent retreat. And during the day, we weren't supposed to talk. And so here I am walking around, and there's like priests and stuff everywhere, you know, and that was kind of freaking me out, you know, because I didn't know what to do. And I, I really didn't. I've never been in a Catholic church before. This is my first time to ever be in a Catholic church. And, and there's like all these priests in training everywhere and people walking around with robes and stuff. And I'm all like, you know, it, I was very uncomfortable at first. And then God kind of finally calmed me down from all my, you know, kind of wigging out and getting, you know, nervous and stuff. And I was like, okay, God, I'm here to hear from you. And everybody was so kind and so nice there. It was a great experience. But one of the things that my friend told me to do is he said, I've done this for 10 years, he said, and one of the things that's going to help you the most, he said, is walk slow. And I said, what? He said, walk as slow as you can. He said, up and down these halls. He said, because you don't have anywhere to go. We're on lockdown for three days, okay? He said, walk slow. And I'm going, okay. And me, I'm the guy that I'm always 10 steps ahead of everybody. I'm, got to go. I'm all, I, I, have, I, I take big strides when I walk. If you see me walk around this church, I, I, I walk like something's wrong with me, and I'm aware of that. I know that. I don't know why I do it, but I take these big, awkward strides, like, like I'm not getting there fast enough or something. And I've always done that ever since I was a little kid. And, and, and so for me to do that, it's a big deal. You know, I can get in and out of Walmart quicker than any of you people here. I promise you, you won't have your car parked. And I'll, I know that I'm from the South, and I talk about Walmart a lot. It's just a southern thing, I guess. Matter of fact, when my in-laws came up to visit uh, for Christmas, we went to the Dells for Christmas and we took them. And uh, the first thing they wanted to do, because they're from the south, from Arkansas, they said, where's Walmart? <laughs> so we all go to Walmart and then they're like, we can breathe. We know where Walmart is. Now let's enjoy our vacation. <laughs> That's just southern people. So I talk about Walmart a lot. doesn't have anything to do with anything, but thought it might help someone here today. Um, but I started walking slow. Here I am, and I'm doing this right here. I'm like, this is driving me nuts. <laughs> I mean, I've had, we have no electronics. All we were allowed to have was a Bible and a notebook, and we had a bed in our room. And that was it, okay? For three days, not talking, listening, and walking like this. <sighs> For a guy that talks for a living, that's kind of difficult. But then, you know, I began to notice things in this abbey that I have, wouldn't have noticed otherwise. I saw paintings on the wall that I actually stopped and looked at. And I didn't just glance at it and go, oh, that's pretty, that's nice. I looked at it. I mean, you know what I mean? I really looked at it. Like, I saw this one painting of a cross and a heart, and it was just beautiful painting. It was really cool, too, and I was sitting there just looking at it, because I'm like, I got nowhere to go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> this place wasn't, you know, huge, huge, and so, I mean, I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm just looking at it. I got nowhere to go, and I'm noticing things, and God's showing me things, and I'm beginning to appreciate things, because I'm slowing down. Then I go to a room by myself, and I'm quiet, I'm not talking, and I've got my journal, and you want to know that within three days, that I hand-wrote, no electronics, okay, hand-wrote over 60 pages in my journal of things God showed me about our church, about my marriage, about my children, about all, the, all kinds of things that he was giving me direction on, and I'm just writing like a madman the things that God is showing me. Why? Because I finally stopped, and I slowed down, and I shut up, and I started listening. 
I think that we teach on prayer a lot as Christians, and we talk about prayer a lot, but I don't think we talk near enough about listening. And I think that we need to stop and enjoy the awkward silence for a minute. Some of you couldn't even handle that. You were freaking out. Stop and listen. You know, it's kind of like when we were up here worshiping a minute ago, you know, just letting the music play, closing our eyes, focusing on Jesus. Just stop. Just stop, man. Slow down and listen. What is God trying to tell you? Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So God leads us in steps. Amen? He's taking us from A to B. I know you want to go to A to Z, and sometimes God does those things, and those things are great. But more times than not, God gives us strategies. And a lot of times the strategies God gives us don't make any sense at all. Look all throughout the scripture. God gives some weird strategies. March around a building. It'll fall down. Take a sling and a stone. You'll kill a big giant. These strategies make no sense at all. But they require a little bit from me, but a lot from him. Amen? It requires a little from me. So I have to do what I can do. And I have to walk in that step, but he's going to do what I can't do. Because I don't care how buff David was. He didn't throw that rock hard enough to knock that dude out. That was God. I don't care how loud the marching was of the children of Israel. They didn't make the walls of Jericho fall. God did. Amen? I don't care how great of a cook that little boy's mother was. Those five loaves and two fish did not feed those 5,000 people. God did. God did that all by his big bad self. But he used what we had and what we were faithful over and did something amazing with it. Second thing we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, what can I do right now that would bring freedom in my mind and my emotions and begin to bring about that correction? God, what are the things right now that I could do that would bring freedom in my mind and my emotions? Just maybe you want to make a little list like I do. Things that stress you out, things that freak you out, you know, things that you get upset about regularly. What are those things? You may find out that they're really insignificant, some of the things. And you can actually fix some of those things. Maybe some of you get really freaked out when the house is messy. You know, that's one of your pet peeves. And you, you, you get really upset. But you can never seem to get ahead and, 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 and get things straightened up or whatever. Figure out how to fix that. Because you know what? If you fix that one thing, you've cut out some of the stress of your life. And now you're going to be able to think better. And your family is going to be getting a better part of you. And not getting the worst part of you. Amen? <coughs> Begin to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? What are some things that are going to set my mind and emotions free right now? Right now. And begin to bring about that correction. The third thing is that we need to implement a six-by-six six strategy. Okay? And basically what that is, I got this from a pastor of Willow Creek Church in Chicago. His name's Bill Hybels. And the six-by-six six strategy is something that he came up with on an airplane. He was coming home from a conference... Um, in mid-November, and there were six weeks left to the end of the year. And out of those six weeks that were left at the end of the year, Bill Hybel said, I want, he said, I began to think, what are, what, what are six things that I could do over the next six weeks to make the biggest impact on my life and on my church? What are things that I could just focus and pour all of my attention and my energy on? What are six things I could focus? Because you know what? Uh, here, here's the thing. I, I, I can't sprint through a marathon. I can't sprint for 365 days, but I can sprint for six weeks is what he said. He said, I can focus on this for six weeks, and I can give this all of my attention and my energy. 
So what are those things that would make the biggest impact on my church and on my life? And he wrote six things down on a little index card. And he said, there's nothing spiritual about six things. He said, it just happened to be how many weeks were left in the year. And he wanted to have one for each week. And so whatever that number may be for you, if this is something that you can take and apply, I just want to give you that tool. He took a little index card and he wrote down those six things. He said, after the first of the year, he looked at that list. And out of those six things, he had accomplished five of those things. He said, you want to know the feeling of completion? How motivating that was? You know how good you feel after you've done something? Me and my wife painted our basement over the holidays. Have you ever painted before? <laughs> it stinks when you do it. I hate with a passion painting. But when you're done, you look back and you go, that's pretty cool. I like being in the room. Guess what? I don't want to be in any other room in my house right now other than the room we painted. Why? Because that feeling of completion. I love buildings. I remember a couple of summers ago, I, I added on to my deck. And I, I sat on my deck all the time. I'd just go out there and just sit on it. Because I just loved feeling that feeling of accomplishment and completion. That's what's going to happen if you implement a strategy like this where you give yourself attainable goals and things that you can focus on that you know are going to make a difference in your family and in your life. And if you focus on those things, you're going to go, wow, I actually got some of those things done. And you go, that feels pretty good. And you get motivated to move on and do more. Now Bill Heibel says, he says, I do it every six weeks now. He said, it was just a thing I was just going to do at the end of the year. He said, but it, it worked so well that it, it was just like, wow. You know, I, I love this feeling of accomplishment, the motivation and the drive that this gives me. I feel like I'm doing something. I feel like I'm making a difference. And that's what God desires for you and me to have that feeling of accomplishment in our lives. Fourth thing is don't be afraid to be vulnerable with God and with people who genuinely love you because we're in this together to sharpen one another. And listen to me, folks. I, when I say be vulnerable with God and people, when it comes to the people part, be careful who you're vulnerable with. You don't need to be vulnerable with everybody. If you're being vulnerable and honest with people about things in your life that you want to correct or things that you're evaluating and those people are in the same boat as you and you just end up having a gripe session and your relationship is based off of the negativity, it's not a healthy relationship. If the thing that brought you together as friends was negative things, you're both griping about your husbands or your wives or something, the, you know, or griping period, negativity is your common bond, that's not a healthy friendship. Hello, somebody. I mean, there's nothing wrong with sharing your heart and frustrations to a friend, but if that's your only common bond and that's what you do every time you get together, that's not going to be anything that helps anybody. You're not going to help one another. You're only going to end up frustrating one another and you're going to carry one another's offenses. And that's always a dangerous thing to do. So when you're vulnerable, make sure it's with people who love you and care about you, but are willing to speak the truth in love and be honest with you and maybe tell you some things that might hurt a little bit. Maybe help you to confront and deal with some things that may not be real easy for you to confront and deal with. Because it's easy to sweep stuff under the rug. It's easy to pretend that things aren't there. But you know what? If we just bring it out and we say, you know what? I need help with this. I want you to help me to sharpen this area of my life. I need someone to hold me accountable. I need someone to, 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 to help me with this. Because I've evaluated this in my life and, and, and I want to correct this, but I need some help doing that. Always be vulnerable with people that you know that care about you and who genuinely love you because we need to sharpen one another. Here's the thing, though, folks. 
Not everything in life is perfect, and it's most likely never going to be, no matter how Pinterest perfect you may get. But evaluation isn't about being perfect. It's about finding the freedom that God wants us to have. God desires for you and I to live in his perfect law of liberty because when we do that, it maximizes our potential. It maximizes our rest. It maximizes our joy because we aren't waiting for it to fall out of the sky. We're not sitting around frustrated and mad at God or other people waiting for everything to just fall out of the sky. We're pursuing it. We're being proactive and we're saying not just what is, but what if. We're evaluating and correcting and we're being led by God. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.